0: we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. This sermon today, and this message today. Messages lately have been different than I've been doing over the last several years. Uh, I've changed uh, a a couple of things. Um, I've changed the way I've approached it. I've changed the way I've delivered it, um, at least a little. Um, They're probably not any shorter. (laughs) But, you know, uh, God has been doing some things in me, and sometimes less is better. Uh, Sometimes we don't get enough either. Um, I I am never going to be a pastor that's going to give you uh, something shallow. It's It's just God didn't build me that way. He didn't. And so if he didn't build me that way, I'm not going to become that. There are shallow pastors out there, and that's how they speak. That's fine. And everybody needs to hear. You know, there are people that need it. I get it. But you're here because God sent you here. (laughs) And he wouldn't have done that, uh, you know, if you weren't supposed to be here. And he he wouldn't have made me the way I am if he didn't want to. And so uh, I try to give as much depth as I can, and I believe you can get it. I really believe you can. You know why I believe you can get it? Because God put it here. And if God put it here, he, he intended for us to get it, didn't he? And so uh, I think that um, I'm trying to mix the two. I'm trying to mix a little bit more simplicity um, with some of the depth and give us maybe not as many nuggets at once. Maybe a little bit less nuggets. So I spread some things out. And one thing that I've come across I realize that we haven't done enough of is praise him, proclaim him, and make known what he has done. Uh, and, and that's what's in the scripture today. And I don't often speak out of the Old Testament, but when I do, it's usually rather compelling because, um, you know, when we, when we come out of the New Testament, that's given by the Spirit. And it's all about the things in the future and the things that Christ can do and, your, you know, that sort of thing. But the historical things of what happened, God was still moving back then, you know. God was doing, he, the, the Spirit was in the world, just wasn't given humankind, Okay. And the Spirit did and prompted people and did things and came upon people and, and then filled people. That happened many times. Okay. Uh, but this is uh, King David speaking in First Chronicles. You have your Bible's turned there, it's in the Old Testament. We don't go there often on Sunday morning, but I'm going there this morning. 1 uh, Chronicles uh, chapter 16, the first eight verses. And I want you to, if, you, if you're willing to write in your Bible, you're willing to outline, you're willing to do something, in verse eight, would you highlight that? Because there's more, there's more than verse 8 here, but verse 8 is where I really want to put my emphasis today. King David, in, in this, this passage, listen, listen to what happens. Uh, in chapter 16 of 1 Chronicles, he says, They brought the ark of God, and they set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it, and they presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before God. Now, this was a big deal. Okay, the ark that had gone before them all these years with Moses and Joshua, uh, brought them up out of Egypt, you know, all this, all this stuff that has happened, transpired, the, the wilderness time, the wandering and all that stuff, ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs, Lord knows they've had them. And now David has conquered through God's help and provision most of the world. They've gotten into the promised land. They are starting to settle in. They've got the king that God wants before them. And things are starting to look up. And so he brings the ark in. And it says that after David had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Did you hear that? He blessed the people in the name of the Lord. I want to be blessed in the name of the Lord. Anybody? And then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each and every Israelite man and woman. He appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord, to make petition, to give thanks, and to praise the Lord, who is the God of Israel. Asaph was the chief, Zechariah second, then Jael, uh, Shemerimoth, Jehiel, Metathiah, Eliab, Benaniah, Obedidaman, Jael. They were to play the lyres and the harps, and Asaph was to sound the cymbals, and Benaniah and Jehaziel, the priests, were to blow the trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant of God. And that day, God first committed to Asaph and his associates his psalm of thanks to the Lord. And listen what he says. Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, and make known among the nations what he has done. I think that's good advice. And so I call your attention to verse 8. Give praise to the Lord. Call upon his name. Praise his name. Proclaim his name. And make known what he's done. Friends, this command given by David to the people of Israel many years ago is advice, I think, that more of God's people ought to follow today. It's so simple, it's so easy. It's three things. You can remember it. And I, I believe that if this, fa- if this advice were followed, I think that we would have way more blessings from God. What do you think? I believe we would be able to do more. I think we'd be able to do more with more power. And I believe we'd have more confidence than we typically do. The church, <laughs> in that manner, would be so more powerful than it is. It would be way more significant than it would be incredibly more influential. Did you hear what I just said? We would be more powerful. We'd be more significant. And we'd be more influential. And isn't that what God wants from his church? Doesn't he want us to be powerful, significant, and influential? Did God put us here to be weak? No. No, he didn't. God didn't place the earth the earth's church here, to be weak. He didn't put it here to be non-consequential. He didn't put it here, friends, to (laughs) be insignificant. Uh, he, He said it would be so strong and stand forever, and the gates of hell would not stand against it. That's what he said. Here's my question. When the gates of hell come against our church, and it does, they do, what do we look like? And to me, it's that simple. Are we giving praise to God? Are we proclaiming His name? Are we making known, first of all, to ourselves, and then to one another, and then to everybody else, what He has done? Well, friends, if God hasn't done anything in your life, of course you're not proclaiming that. If God's not doing things in the lives of people around you, of course you're not doing that. How are you going to go out and tell other people what God has done if you haven't seen Him do anything? Well, you can't. Does this make sense to you? Listen, God demands your praise. He demands that you proclaim His name because He is. And why wouldn't we? If God is everything we think He is, why aren't we? Because I have to tell you, I'm not sure that every day I do those three things. I think I do, but I'm not sure. But God wants me to be sure. Does that make sense to anybody in here? God wants me to be sure. So let's talk about these things. Give praise to the Lord. You see, there are many things that we should thank the Lord for in this physical realm. I, I You know, we, when we pray, we, we do thank God for things, don't we? I mean, Jesus taught us to pray that way, didn't he? Give thanks unto God for the things he has done. Physical things, what? Well, food, you know, health, clothing, shelter, even our freedom and protection, yeah? And, and listen, you're going to add more things to the list, okay? And yeah, they all came from God, sure. But I, I would like us today to think of the things in the spiritual realm that maybe we haven't necessarily thanked Him for, but we should never cease thanking Him for. Right? The tangible things are there, sure. But friends, Jesus said that men, and He meant women too, don't, humans don't live on bread alone. But that's the things we begin to thank God for. Because we like that stuff. Sure. But what if we were to not have any of those things that we would die of starvation or from being cold or too hot or or whatever? People do. What Jesus is saying is that it doesn't matter how young or old you are. It would be better to have the kingdom of God in your hand and in your heart and live eternally than to live even one second. On this earth. Do you understand that? So, why are we only thanking God for the earthly and this life provisions that He provides? Why not the things in the realm of the kingdom? Those are the things we ought to be thanking Him for because they're the ones that are permanent, they're the ones that are going to last, and they're the ones that matter. We should thank Him for providing His Son as an offering for our sin, don't you think? I mean right this, this is Christianity 101. This is where it all, it all stands or falls right here. Your entire life, eternal either comes or goes, exists or doesn't, based on that alone. It, it, it just does. Why? Because without it we would be what? Lost forever. There be there's no way out, friends. there's no way out of lost, you know? Even in this world, without GPS, who remembers days before GPS? Right? Listen, let me tell you something. GPS isn't always what you think it is. GPS has taken me someplace that I know wasn't right. You know. So, but here, I'll tell you. And and here's what guys do. Guys are lost, and they will never admit that they're lost. (laughs) Girls, I didn't ask you for an amen. I didn't. But it all came from over here, did you notice? <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys do not, they don't, you know, egotistical as we are, we don't, we don't want to admit it. And I, I began to wonder about this. Here, guys, you know you're lost, but you're not going to tell anybody you're lost. Who, who's been lost? Men, come on. Who's, notice I'm talking over here. Who's, who's been lost and would not admit they were lost? <laughs> there's, a, there's a few truthful guys in the, con- in the congregation today. Okay, so, right, this is who we are. But, guys, if you're married, your wife knows you're lost. She may not tell you. She might think you're a little bit lost other than just physically, too, sometimes. Right? But the door swings both ways, I want you to know. But here's the deal, okay? I I think it's possible sometimes we don't know we're lost. Right? Because things look a little bit familiar, you think, okay, but in the spiritual realm, that happens a lot. We're lost and we don't know it. Do you know that most of the world does, doesn't know that they're lost? If you tell them they're lost, they'll tell you you're nuts. They'll rebuke you. They'll say, no, you're, you're, you're crazy. But you and I know that when we're lost, spiritually, we're lost. There's no coming back from that. You know, in, in, in the physical realm, uh, I have this, um, I think, an uncanny sense of direction. My wife will tell you it's true. Even if I'm lost, 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 I have enough sense that I, in, of direction that I will eventually come out to some place that will tell me where I'm going. I'm telling you. It, it's strange. Unless I get into Park County. Then, for whatever reason, I struggle up there. Because the roads don't all go, you know. <laughs> yeah, God's country. But anyway, so, you know, but here's the thing. You, to find your way out of lost, a lot of times you'll head in a direction that makes you more lost. It seems right, but it isn't. That's what's happening in our world around us. Yeah. It, it really is, and the church is is got a, it, it. It's been given this task of doing something about it. Okay, we 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 really have been. We've been given this task, and so here is the question: Is it possible that we take for granted every single day, including this one amazing thing that Jesus did? I I think we sometimes, as a church, don't realize that we're taking for granted that he kept us from being lost. Your GPS won't get you out of this one. And it doesn't matter how accurate it is. You know, the GPS that you have in your car and on your phone, it's accurate, but it's not that accurate. The ones that ship captains use is to the foot (laughs) on the ocean. Those are accurate. And you know who controls it? United States does. If we shut it down, you know what would happen. Our captains and ships all around the world don't have the skills that they did once did. They can't reckon like they used to. A sextant, they probably don't have one. And some people don't even know what it is. Friends, you shut down GPS, we're screwed. And I mean, wouldn't we be? Here's the thing. What Jesus did can never be revoked. It can never be shut down. It can never be turned off. It's there for good. He did it. And as I began to think about that, if that's so, why am I not thanking him, remembering it every single day that he did that? I mean, do we live each moment like we're thankful for what he did? And I thought, seriously, what might it look like if we did live each moment showing how thankful we are, that we're no longer part of that group that's lost? Because what I see in the church today is this complacency that proves that we feel like we're somehow <coughs> entitled to what Jesus did. You know, and if you, if you think about this for a second, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here, but here's what I'll tell you. As the world and the generations behind us continue to become more entitled than the one previous. And you know that's happening, right? Who knows that? Now, you can, you can blame whatever you want on how it happened. It's happened. Oh, we, we're, we're part of it, too. We did it. And we were a little bit entitled, not near as much as these generations behind us. But, but every, I think everybody's been entitled in some manner. Because that's just Satan's way. But if, it, if this happening, that it's becoming more and more so entitled in society alone, do you not think that that will permeate into the church and people will become more entitled there? Well, it has. Okay? And, and that's how these heresies pop up and begin to run the church. These wrong ideas, these wrong thoughts, this wrong uh, theology, if you want to call it that. That's been popping up, friends. And and, and to me, it all stems from what Jesus did. Because what happens is, we start to think that what he did wasn't that significant. Or we start to think that, well, you know, I, I I was owed it. And that cheapens and waters down and takes away from what he did. And if my Christianity stands or falls on it, What does that tell me about my Christianity? It's not what it ought to be. You see, we should also thank him for providing us this word of God so that we know the truth. But here again, you know where this is going. The the word of God is the word of God, and it tells us the truth, doesn't it? Then why are more and more Christians getting away from it then? If the premise of Christianity stands or falls on the word of God, then what kind of Christianity are we going to have? And more to come on that. You see, in this day of deceit, hypocrisy, lies and wrong belief systems, there aren't too many things that any of us can really bank on anymore. that we know that that's an absolute. You might even wonder every single day how many times you've been lied to. Have you ever wondered that? You know, I don't wonder anymore each day if I'm going to be lied to, but when? Right? used to be that pretty much everybody was truthful. If you turned on the television and you got uh, CBS News, because everybody, I think, watched it back then when Walter Cronkite ran it, you pretty much knew that what Walter Cronkite said was probably true. Not so much anymore. And I'm not bashing any networks, but I have to tell you, I read things on Yahoo and CNN that I know darn well are a lie. and they're going to be mad at me. Somebody's going to go, oh, I can't believe you said that about CNN. <laughs> you know, friends, I, I don't, right? I, I just don't, I don't believe it anymore because the credibility is gone. And so, and I'm not picking on news networks. Don't hear me say that. But but what I do know is that you might wonder how many times you've read something you've heard it on television or in the media that simply you believe is not true. But thankfully, the word of God, It is always the absolute truth. And you know what the other side is going to do? Everything in their power to discredit the Word of God. And they are. They're doing it. But, I mean, it's the one thing that we can read and never have to wonder about. You know? You know what the beautiful thing for me is? It hasn't changed from the moment it was conceived. Oh, there's been people who's tried to change it. And there's been people who's tried to misinterpret it. And there's been people who've tried to discredit it. But guess what? God says that's never going to happen. (laughs) And henceforth it hasn't. If the Bible somehow was proven to be true or disproven in some manner, believe me, CNN would be all over it. Heck, they all would be. And again, I'm not picking off CNN or anybody else. I'm simply saying I don't believe everything I hear from them. But I believe everything I read and hear. Do you? So when you spend more time listening to the news of this age than you are in the good news in here, there might be a problem with your Christianity. You see, friends, it isn't that most Christians, and I'm talking about Christians here, it isn't that most Christians don't believe that the word is true. I don't think very many Christians believe it's not true. They simply don't like the truth. Now, that's been happening a lot. We'd rather modify it to our own liking or misinterpret it so that we can still live by our own standards. I'm seeing that. And I think that's kind of scary. No, it's a lot scary. But the truth is right in front of us, and we ought to be thankful that we have it, don't you think? And that is still the standard that we should live by, has been for 2,000 years, you know. Even before that, really, if you, if you go back into the when the Old Testament people were using the Old Testament, the Torah, right, and the Pentateuch. Those are words you probably don't know much about, but just suffice to say it's the law in the first part of the scripture that Moses wrote. Okay? They had that, you know. It was true then, it's true now. You know why? Because God put it there. Didn't He? And see, when when we see this as the standard, my friends, and we live by it, it guarantees us eternity in heaven because we're living in harmony with it. That's what happens. Now, of course, you've got to get saved for that to start. But I'm, a, he's, you know, I'm talking to the church, and I'm assuming people in the church are saved. It's scary to me that maybe not everybody is. And, and you're going to argue with me, or anybody who speaks the truth, if you're not saved. That's a fact. Okay, You're going to question every single thing. And you're going to say, well, I agree with this part, but not that part. Well, that's what unsaved people do. But a saved person with the Spirit living in them can't. Because the same spirit is in those that wrote the scripture for God and put it to and compiled it for him as the ones that's in us today. It's the spirit's the same, isn't it? That's why we identify with one another. It, uh, but tell you what the Spirit does do for us. It helps us to have discernment when something isn't right. That's what it does. And when you hear things, people talk about the scripture saying the Bible says this or the Bible says that, you're like, "Wait a minute. no, it doesn't. If the Spirit's in you, that's what happens. You see the difference? We also ought to thank him for sending the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin and bring us to Christ. Because I didn't didn't know I was a sinner. Because like most people, I looked at my life and knew I wasn't a, a thief and a murderer and all these things that we consider to be sinful. And I thought, well, you know, hey, yeah, I might not. You know, be the, like the churchy people. But I'm not a sinner. And God said, oh, yeah, yeah, you are. Every single one of you is. And then I made a deal with God. And I said, wait, 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 wait. wait. See, God, Th- that, that that can't be. Uh, I, I can understand how adults could be, but children can't be sinners. An infant couldn't be a sinner. They haven't done anything yet. And God said, see, that's what you don't understand. Every single human is born as a sinner. Yeah, every one of them. And there are people out there today, I guarantee you, even in the church, who will argue that point right there. Because in their human understanding, if you haven't been able to make a conscious thought yet, then you couldn't possibly be a sinner. But it doesn't matter what you think. Imagine what God says. And God says, all have sinned and all fall short. He didn't say except for infants or children or whatever. Right? He didn't say that. He said we all have. And I'm telling you, there are people that will hear this and go, I don't know. Right? They will. And yet I stand on the premise right there. Well, that's not what it really means. Yeah, that's your best argument, isn't it? That's what we do when we don't want to believe it. And then we can use most of the scripture that we think will get us into heaven and then we'll modify the things that we want to to suit us. Tell me we haven't done that. And I, I, can, I can prove to you that we have, my friends. And so I get nervous about that when I hear it. And what the Holy Spirit does, he does it to me. I'm sure he does it to you. It's this like gentle nudging from, from within your own heart. that you know that you've done wrong or thought wrong. And, and he doesn't tarry neither. <laughs> you know, for me... It's like, uh, it, it, it isn't long after I've done it. Anybody with me here? It isn't long. And here, here it's like, it's like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> right? Anybody with me here? Here we go again. Yeah, Lord, okay. You see, without it, we might never know we're doing wrong. We might never know we're sinful. We might never know these things. And here's the question. We do want to know that we're sinful, Right? You do want to know when you're wrong, right? See, I'm not sure. I mean, we, we'll we sit here today and say it, yes. But tomorrow, okay, maybe we've got too much church in us on Monday. Maybe Tuesday. <laughs> How am I doing so far? Yeah. Yeah. I ask this because, well... Is it at all possible that maybe we don't really want to know? Because in our minds, somehow, if we don't know about it, we're not responsible. See, that's how society thinks. But friends, here's the deal. Even the our human law doesn't provide that for you. I promise you, you can stand up to any judge and say, I didn't know. And the judge is going to say, but you did it. It doesn't matter if you knew it was wrong or not. You still did it. Therefore... This is the penalty. The law is the law. That's what and we'll go, okay. I don't like it, but okay. But when God does it, it's like, that's not fair. You know? I mean, I can't tell you how many traffic stops I've made and people said they didn't know that they were exceeding the posted limit. <laughs> or they didn't know that their tail line was out. Maybe they didn't know that. But I suspect most of the time they did know. I, I started to be able to learn and read body language and faces, you know. And I realize that people know an awful lot more than they claim they do. And I know that because as a kid, we've perfected it. Your kids know more than they, they'll admit that they do. And when you ask them, did you know what you're doing was wrong, what do you think they're going to say? Because in their minds, if they didn't know, you're going to be lenient. Okay. See, you see how, the, see how this goes? See how, where it's going? You see what Satan does? This is how he operates. And I'm thinking, maybe hoping that we won't be responsible if we didn't know we'll fly. But, you know, this it doesn't work here. How's it going to work with God? It never has. And you know why I know that? Because in, in Romans chapter 1, Paul says no one will have an excuse. Because the evidence of God is all around humanity, it's always been there, and people will have no excuse. Zero. You're like, does it really say that? It really does. I wouldn't have said it if it didn't. And I didn't paraphrase it, neither. He says, point blank, people will be without excuse. Now how does Paul know that? Because the Spirit told him. And I believe him, anybody? We should also thank God for the Spirit because Satan whispers things to our ears, too. Has anybody had Satan whisper to him? Sometimes he doesn't even whisper. Sometimes he's pretty loud about it. And you're all willing to jump jump in and say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But he always says or whispers things you notice that we want to hear. Have you ever noticed that? Satan always tells us what you want here. Why? Again, because we can live to our own standards and not God's, and that's what we want. We'll say we don't, but really deep down we do. We like that. And lastly, I think we should thank him because he's given us the assurance of salvation and victory. Golly geek, friends. I, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I have sat in a ballpark, in a stadium, or in front of my television when my Irish are on the ropes. And I'm hoping and praying that something happens, if somebody does something, and we win the (coughs) ballgame. Or my Bears, who I'm really not happy with these days. You know? Or my White Sox, who I think are going to be pretty darn good, you (laughs) Cub fans. We got your number this year but here's what I have known. Any ball team can win on any day. Doesn't matter how good or bad you are, you can win. And I've sat there and I'm frantic hoping for something to happen. I I don't need to do that with God. I I already have victory. It's already here. It's a known fact. You, you, You don't have to wonder. You don't have to Sit frantically wondering what God's going to. We already know what God's done and what He's going to continue to do. It's a fact. There is no ball game or any contest in the history of humankind that can give you that assurance. Zero. Good night. I, I think I think I think Mama was right when she told Forrest Gump that life's like a box of chocolates. You just don't ever know what you're going to get. Right? And who's who's open? When you open, that's that's pretty good analogy. You open. You, when you open up a box of chocolates, you automatically know some things you're going to like and what you're not. But doggone it, they don't tell you what they are. Well, the really bright ones put them on the lid. You know what they are. Okay? But the ones that don't, you think, oh. And so you know when somebody, they, take, and they poke the bottom. You've seen that before? Or my, when, when I was at Carol's house uh, when Beth went and got Carol. She came for the holidays. Uh, Carol and uh, uh, Beth and Jessica did, and then, and, and then Papa had to go back out, because, you know, three kids and three car seats, you know, you, playing, you can't do it. And so, um, and Carol had a box of chocolates that somebody gave, and and one day they looked beautiful, and Carol and I just picked them out, and we said, What's, oh, this is good, you know, and, and then we put them back up there. And that afternoon, that night, I picked it up, and every single one of them had a bite in it, every one of them. <laughs> and they were all, and, and I'm thinking, I started thinking, I'm going to match up the teeth. See, who did it? <laughs> why because they didn't know what they were going to get see right you don't know what life's going to give you but here's what you do know that whatever you get god's in it and when this life is done whether you're alive or you're in the grave you have eternity if you belong to him that's an absolute that's never changed see Christian life isn't a box of chocolates it is to a point but in in the end you know who's there with you and you know what it's going to end up like. And that's, to me, that's everything. So the more I think about it, no matter how difficult or tedious life becomes, and my granddad told me, sometimes life gets tedious. And as a 25-year-old, I didn't understand that. But as a 57-year-old, I do. Because you know that stuff hurts that you didn't even know you had before. And ha- has anybody gotten out of bed recently? And you didn't do anything physical really did before, but you hurt from head to toe. From sleeping. You're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. And the younger folks are like, what? Your day's coming. Ain't it? So, see, but we're assured of living with God forever. You know, no matter how bad life gets, should we choose him? And yes, we have to be obedient after we receive salvation. And yes, most people try to modify God's commandments. I know that. But if we're obedient to the word when we receive it, friends, then guess what? I think you have it. Revelation 2.10. Listen to what John the Revelator says as Jesus tells him. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. And I'm thinking, what is it? God says it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what suffering you're going to have. Because listen to this. I tell you, the devil's going to put some of you in prison to test you. And he gives us a length of time when it's going to happen. Persecution. But here's what he says at the end. But even... To the point of death, be faithful. Be faithful even to the point of death. And I will give you life in the crown of victory. What do you think about that? Does it matter what your suffering is? Does it matter how long? No. No, it doesn't. It just means that God is faithful. And he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Amen? I take him in his word. Anybody? Praise him. I, I believe him. You've got to give praise to the Lord. Secondly, we have to proclaim the name of the Lord. And I'm not sure we're doing that either. You see, there's many things that we can rightfully ask God for, and I know that God delights in meeting our needs. He, he, the Bible says He wants to do that. But friends, the more I ponder this, I also believe that there are some other things that we need to ask for today because the need is great. See, what we do is we ask for whatever we need or those in our circle need. Have you ever noticed that? But there are, get this, much greater needs that have nothing to do with you and your circle in the world today. (laughs) There are much greater needs out there, much bigger things. Have you noticed that? And you know, those things might be just a little bit more important to pray for than what's going on in your circle. Now, there's a concept, isn't it? We, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to hear that. Because we're concerned with what's going on now with us. And yet, and those are the first things we're going to pray for. Did you Have you noticed that? Come on, right? Guys, this is human nature, I know. And you know what human nature is? It's not godly. It's devil nature. Of course, people don't want to believe that, but it is. Because when Christ comes, you're in or? Yeah, you're in or out. Oh, these people are convinced. Are you? When Christ comes, you're either in or? You're either in or? Yeah. It's going to be just that simple. People say, no, it's not. There's going to be some, you know, some circumstances. No, there's not. The Bible's clear that some people are going to be, two are going to be walking together. One's going to be gone and one's going to still remain. In or out? Does the Bible say that? Yeah. Jesus said it. So here's the deal, okay? If that's true, that means when he comes in or out. So friends, we've got to stop thinking that somehow there's this middle-of-the-road kind of stuff, and there isn't. And so we've got to start focusing on the fact that there are bigger things out there for us to pray for instead of being so shallow that all we see is what's in our circle. We really do. You want to be a warrior for Christ? You want to be the standard of what the Scripture's talking about, they start looking at the bigger picture. Start spending time praying for the big things that only God can fix. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? You know what we've got to pray for? Let me give you just a few. That a great amount of workers and laborers can enter into the harvest fields of lost souls. We have more lost people today than we've ever had in the history of humankind. That means we have more that could be ripe to harvest. We could have a bounty, you see, if we just go out there. You know, I grew up on a farm, and I'm telling you, I'll never forget one time. Uh, it was cold, and I'll get out, uh, and it had been sloppy, wet outside. And we, we had a, a pretty good-sized field of corn that we couldn't. We couldn't get it. We d- that our combine when it sunk to the to the axles. I'll never forget. <laughs> my dad hasn't always said, in my opinion, hugely spiritual things. And this is what he said. Look here. I said, Dad, it's wicked cold outside. He said, Yep. And God sent that cold to freeze that ground so we can get that combine out there and get that grain out. And I have to tell you, in concept, that was probably right. But when I was out there in that freezing cold, I wasn't so sure. I was happy that God did it. But here's the deal, friends. Dad said, if we don't get out there and get that grain, he said, I've never known any farmer or any person that could sit there and look at it and it, it came in. You've got to get out there and harvest it. And isn't that true about souls today? If we're not out there, if we're not out there, you know, if you stand on the edge of the field and say, it's too cold, it's too hot. Right? Extremes. You, you stand on the sideline and you say, I'm too busy. I'm, t- I'm smart enough. I don't know enough about the scripture. Well, you know, I got answers for all those things. You know? No great achievement has ever been made. Without somebody saying, I can do this. I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm going to do it. Every ball team I've ever coached, every wrestling team I've ever coached, every wrestler, every every ball player, I've said it again and again. I can't coach talent, but I can't coach heart. Okay? If you got heart, I can coach you. Talent, don't want to hear. You can't. Either you want it or you don't. I would rather have a a, a ball team full of heart than all the talent in the world. Because you can do something with them. They want it. I wonder what God's got. I wonder what kind of team God has on the field today. Are we standing on the sidelines as spectators? Or are we out there ready to go? I think you know the answer. This is the point. Do you understand, friends, that we are the ones he has called? There's a great number of workers, Matthew 9, 38, ask the Lord of harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. We're it. We're the ones he's called. But you know what we do? No, no, no. It, 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 that's for other people. That you know, And you start naming people that you think are it. It almost always has the name of your pastor in it. Those are the people that are supposed to be out saving souls. No. I disagree with that. I'll tell you what, though. You go out and get them, and I'll do my best to get them saved. Fair enough? I'll bet you every pastor in here, if you bring them somebody who's interested, I'll bet you we'll work day and night to get them. Fair enough? You know, you know, I sold Kirby's for a long time. You guys know that, right? I sold Kirby's? You know Kirby's is the best vacuum in the world, right? I'll bet I can prove it. Bring, 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 I'll take any takers, bring them. And I'll show you. Okay? But they, you know the tristar can tell you that the rainbow can tell you that everybody whoever whatever they're selling that's the best one right? Okay, but here's the thing, this is what I told the guys out there selling. Cur- I said, you know what? You get them to want it, and I'll see to it that they can get it. We'll find financing for them. I promise you, we will. See, this is this is how it is. You know, if if you th- the key is getting somebody to want it. You know. Friends, you rub elbows with more people than I ever will. You know people that need the Lord Jesus Christ. You know people that are struggling. You know people that have problems, and they're trying to fix them with everything known to man and trying to find more. Because to them, that's all there is. And you have the answers for them. (laughs) Why not get them to somebody who can help them? Right? Right? I mean, you should start, but if you can't do it, then you get them to somebody who can. Get them to want it. And everybody wants difficulty to change. (laughs) Okay. Everybody wants difficulty to stop. Yeah? And isn't that hard? Especially as difficult as life is becoming. You see? we've, we've We've got the devil on the run. That's the point. A few weeks ago, Beth and I were watching a few of our grandchildren on a Saturday morning, and Beth was making breakfast, and I was helping. I didn't know you were going to be here today, babe. (laughs) And our grandchildren from different, no, they weren't all from one set of parents. We had a group of them. And they were all in our family room watching TV and playing on their pads and doing what they do. And Beth said, okay, call them in for breakfast. And so I stood at the edge of the kitchen, and I called And I called, and I called, and I called. And then I got a little bit further out, and I started calling again. And I even got a response. What? (laughs) And I called again. What, Papa? Even acknowledged who I was. And still nobody came. I said, it's time for breakfast. And I walked back in. And sat down at the table. And we sat. And the food got colder. And nobody came. Hmm. And I thought to myself, I think there's a story in the scripture like that. Where uh, the banquet was set and nobody came. All the people that the host wanted there and invited didn't come. And so finally, I had to get up and I had to go chase them down. And I said, hey! Reference is ready. And they all just looked at me. Some of them didn't hear me. Some of them heard me. I said, you heard me. Yeah. Their heads now. No answer as to why they didn't come. But uh, the answer was in their hands and in their eyes. Because that pad... And what was on television was more important than eating breakfast. But if they were starving, it wouldn't be. You see? You see? see, see? Either they didn't hear, and I'm not a quiet person. They heard me. And if they didn't, they were ignoring me. That's just the way it is. And I began to think about that some, and I thought, you know, Those that didn't hear me had tuned me out. Those that did were too busy doing other things to obey. And I thought, do we sometimes, somehow, think that maybe we're maybe doing this to God? Let's get real. Have you tuned God out? Have you heard Him, but somehow you were too busy to do anything with it? I know it's possible because I know for a fact that I've received texts, and I was too busy to answer at that moment, so I didn't. And guess what happened? Never did. And then somebody wants to know, hey, didn't you get my text? And what do you say? Uh, you don't like it, right? You don't like it when somebody does it to you. And yet we do this to God all the time, all the time. We need to pray that ministers might have boldness in preaching the word of God. We, 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 need to pray. we need to pray for this. I think Christians and the church in general is in denial. That's what I think. That's my opinion. I'm entitled to it. This is America still. People aren't going to like it. I know that. And no, I'm not going to go with the flow. Tickle their ears and tell them what they want to hear. I'm going to call it as I see it, and I see that we're in denial. People don't seem to want to hear that God will bring judgment to the unrighteous. They don't seem to. Don't want to hear that. Maybe it's because some ministers are afraid to preach what I call doom and gloom. I know that there are some churches out there today where you will never hear a message like that. Not ever. Because they don't want to upset anybody. I know it. But I'm not here to talk about other churches. I'm just telling you like it is. Maybe it's because their church leadership won't allow them to, and I've seen that before. But I've never known any barnyard in the history of humankind where the sheep ruled the shepherd. Ever. Hmm? But either way, the problem is that this is part of the truth. And isn't it just possible that Satan doesn't want people to know the truth? Have Have you considered that? Come on, that's an oxymoron. He's been at that from day one. From the very beginning, when we get his name in the first place, he was starting right there, wasn't he? And if if this is so, wouldn't it just be like Satan to get people to believe that nobody's going to go to hell? Wouldn't he want people to believe that? Wouldn't he want people to believe that hell isn't even a place not even true? Well, there's pastors preaching that. Now, where does that come from? Does it come from from God? No. The Bible declares Satan and hell to be true. (laughs) So what are they preaching from then? Right? That there is no devil, no hell? Where did they get that? Well, of course Satan wants them to believe that. Wants them to preach that. Because then you don't have to do what the Bible says. You see. So if that's true, what else might the great deceiver actually be trying to get people to believe? Have you thought of that? And if pastors won't tell the truth, who's going to? You know, there are entire churches, big churches, that don't believe in the Word of God as it stands, and that way they're free to interpret it any way they choose. Isn't that right, Pastor Bob? That's exactly right. <laughs> he didn't even know what this message was today. He had no idea that this is one of my points. Did you? No, I didn't. But he sent me a link about a church that does exactly that. And I'm like, I started laughing. I'm like, God gave me an example. He gave me an example right there. And Bob knew nothing about this. There's a huge church in Nashville, Tennessee. It's called a progressive Christianity church. Huge church. How many people, Bob? 20-some thousand? Yeah. Huge. They've come right out and said that the Bible is not the Word of God. Straight up. It's on their site. Read it. Look it up. It's right there. It says it's not. Doesn't it? It like says it right there. So friends, if the Bible isn't the Word of God, and I'm not going to tell you who they are, you'll find it. You're, you're, you're bright. It doesn't matter who they are. What I'm saying is it's happening. Okay. If, if the Bible isn't the Word of God, well, they're not going to teach it, <laughs> are they? So what standards are they using for their brand of Christianity then? If it isn't this, then what is it? Where are they getting it from? Who wrote that one up? Who made, who made that stuff up? Human thought? Who controls that? See, do you understand where this is going? See, we'll, this is what we'll do as humans. We'll look at the people that are Satan worshipers in the Church of Satan in the Satanic Bible and say, oh my gosh, <gasps> that's terrible. And then we'll look at churches that are progressive like this, that don't use this, and we'll say, well, you know, that's our opinion. Yeah, at least I know where the Church of Satan stands. I know what they are. They know what they're trying to be. I can deal with that. But when you mix truth and heresy together, which is what Satan does anyway, that makes it a church of Satan too. They don't label it that way, but that's what it is. Now, now that church will be furious, that pastor will call me up and let, give me the what for if I said that. Any of them would. I guarantee you they would. But I begin to think, well, if they don't use this, what makes them Christian at all? I mean, isn't this the epitome of Christianity? What will God say to those who have dumped his word for their own brand of Christianity? One can only imagine. I'd rather not. Lastly, we need to pray that God's people might become doers of the word and not just listeners. Not just listeners. James one do don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Rather, do what it says. Now, this one might be the most difficult in this, this second point because I wonder if we all just want to feel good. <laughs> you know I don't wonder. I said that for the benefit of the message, but I know we want to feel good. I come across Christians all the time. that just want to feel good. And feeling good is okay. I, I understand. But you got to understand the cold, hard facts of truth, too. You know, you can't, you know, we make fun of people that act like horses with blinders on, put or ostriches in the sand, yeah? Come on, you've made fun of people that did that. Yet when you do it, you don't want to hear it. When I do it, I don't want to, none, none of us do. We don't want to hear it when we're it. Now, if we look at, Progressive Christianity, this is certainly true. But what about those who say they believe in the Word of God? See, I expect progressive Christian places who say that this is not the Word of God to act that way. But people who say that they bank on this, that they believe in this, and this is their standard, and this is what molds them, I have a problem when they don't. I have a serious problem when they don't. And it might be us. You follow me here? You see where I'm going? Those who actually read it, or at least listen to those who preach it. The big question is, how can you hear this teaching and then not do what you've been taught? You know, you know what the what the big slap in the face to God is when when a pastor on television or in a church or at a symposium or at a teaching seminar makes this these big points and people go, oh, amen, yes, they're doing this, and then they go. And go right out there, and that's the biggest slap in the face of God there is. You're going your to sit there, oh, amen, amen! And then go outside and gone. And tell me that not happening every day, all the time. Can't tell you how many times I've been on the radio, listen to BGL as much as I can till I go out and we'd lose it, you know when you go so far but they'll have people on who give little nuggets of this and that and and are her little pe- I don't think that's good stuff man that-. and and by the end they forgot about it that's yeah so it doesn't just happen you know to the lay people have to the pastors too but the big question is <laughs> how do you do it well it's easy In all things, we want to do what we want to do. We get caught up in whatever it is we're doing, whatever our focus is. And when that happens, oftentimes, it it might even depend on the day. Yeah? And doesn't Satan know what your day is? Doesn't he know if you're having a good spiritual day or not? Doesn't he know when you're lasered in on God and when you're not? Doesn't he know when you're willing to listen to the whispers he's going to give you and when you probably won't? Come on. Now, come on, kids. This isn't just me here. Okay? Satan knows when to whisper a little louder, doesn't he? He knows when you're willing to listen when you're not. And every, this week alone, every single one of you in here has had some days and some hours that you were lasered in and no way did Satan get in. And other times when he was whispering and you were starting to go. Hmm. You know how I know it? Because he's good at it. He always does it. See, this is why our general thoughts and feelings are a horrible, inaccurate gauge for truth. Because however you're feeling that day is going to depend on what you do or don't. Anybody? That's going to determine, isn't it? And that's a horrible gauge for truth. Yeah. Lastly, we are to make known among the nations what God has done. Make known God's deeds of mercy that are recorded in his word and experienced in our lives. The Bible may be complete, my friends, but new chapters of joy, peace, victory, and deliverance are being written on our hearts and minds every single day. Aren't they? Every day. This is the greatest testimony any of us can give firsthand as an eyewitness as to what God has done and then is continuing to do in our lives. That's what makes you a witness. And you know what we should do? Share that with anybody who will listen, what God's done, what he's doing. It's contagious, and it's amazingly healthy for the church to hear it. More than that, it's a powerful tool for the lost. And how are those who are lost ever going to know if we, the redeemed, don't tell them? If you're not going to be willing to use the difficulties in your life to tell those others who, when they go through difficulties, what God did in your life, What he's able to do in theirs, who's going to tell him? Right? We need to make known God's deliverance from Satan and the penalty and power of sin. Because God's delivered us from it. And they need to know that God can deliver them from it. Not just from death, but from the power of sin. You understand that? Because people say, I want to, but I can't do it. Yes, you can. God can deliver you from that too. He has. People have to know who Satan is and what he does because of our past experiences with him. And not only that, but when Jesus exposed him and his wickedness. We already have some idea where he's going to strike. Jesus told us already. We know. You don't always know it's coming, but you know where. You even know how a lot of times. Now look. Friends, yes, I know that this kind of talk is gloomy, but people have to know that the wages of sin is, yeah. We've got to tell them that because they don't think it. They don't. They don't think it. And the exciting part is the opportunity to tell them the good news of what Jesus has done and his deliverance from all of this and his gift of it to us. That's important. You see, God has opened this door for us to share and be great evangelists through the difficulties of life that we know are going to happen, you see. Now, consider all of those in Scripture where God used them in the most difficult times of their lives, simply to be an example to those he was trying to reach. Do you know God let difficulty into the lives of people just so they could be a witness for him? (laughs) Don't suppose he'd do it to us, do you? Paul said, consider it joy. James said, consider it joy. They said it differently, but that's what they said. When it happens, say, that God felt me worthy to suffer in this way that I could be his witness. You understand that? Right? What a concept. What an amazing thought. But that's not what we see when we're hurting. That's not what we know when we're going through difficulty. You, see, you get it? And that's the difference between a person that's lasered into God and one that's not. That's the difference. And I began to think about that. What would God do with those of us going, what could he do with those of us going through difficulty even today? Because I went through difficulty the last couple of weeks, I didn't do much with it. But I felt sorry for myself pretty good. It, it, who's been there? Mm-hmm. Lastly, make known what God's provisions for us are. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. You understand that? You see, friends, I don't know <laughs> that we actually believe that every good thing is from God. And if we do, we don't think about it. Somehow, we inject ourselves into the mix. Have you ever noticed that? That's a prideful thing. We just don't know it. You see, we start talking about our own human accomplishments, looking at human accomplishments. That's where progressive Christianity gets its springboard. What humans have done, what we think, what we feel, what we want—that's where it comes from. So you 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 can see where well, that's dangerous. Okay. Well, l- let's go back to what happens in the church. Okay. I I I can't tell you. How many times I've heard someone say something like, everything I've ever accomplished, I did on my own. Nobody helped me. Everything I have, I got through my own hard work, my own self-sacrifice, and nobody gave me anything. And they start telling me about how their parents didn't or couldn't or wouldn't. That's I've heard that again and again. And you know what? I could say the same thing. Probably have. You know what that means? Nothing. Because... A real Christian will say, okay, (laughs) I know where good comes from. I've done some good things in my life that good didn't come from there. I know it. I didn't at one time, but I do now. And you have to know it, too. Look, I'm not knocking hard work. I'm not knocking perseverance. I'm not not knocking goals. In fact, I think you should have all three. I do. You know I believe that. Because I'm... I'm willing to help the people that have goals and have perseverance and are working hard. Those that don't, I don't have a lot of remorse. Because I believe all we do is hurt them. We keep giving them. But here's the thing. I do know from where all good things come from. When Jesus was standing before Pilate, and you're going to hear more about this in the coming weeks. Jesus said, you would have no power over me were it not given to you. You heard that before. The same is true for those who think that they did everything on their own. Do you understand you would have no ability to even be alive if God didn't create humanity? Kind of takes the wind out of your sails, doesn't it? They would have no ability to know what good even is if God didn't give them the ability to reason. Yeah? Yeah? They would have no opportunity to accomplish any goals whatsoever if God didn't give them human talent and ability to do it. You understand that? Without God, none of those things ever take place. So when you start thinking you're this and that and you're so good, and you think, how do we? What do we say it uh, when you're uh, you're all that in a bag of chips? When you start thinking that, start understanding that without God, you're nothing. You don't even exist. You have no abilities. You don't even have life. You start thinking about that, and all of a sudden, starts putting things in perspective now. Because without God, there is no life. I think it's high time, friends, we begin giving God praise for what he has done. And even more so, proclaim to everyone who will listen, and even those who won't, what God continues to do, because he ought to be praised. And as our worship team comes, let me me share just a couple quick things with you. You remember when we were kids, and our parents were always giving us advice, and they were giving us pointers from their experiences, so that we would be spared, you know, of making some of the same grave mistakes that they either did or that they knew would hurt us. Because if if, if you say, well, I didn't have a parent, fine. Somebody did it for you. Somebody in your life did it. I know that. Remember also how you always thought you knew better (laughs) and that you got into predicaments that probably could have been avoided. I'm not the only one in this room that did that. Can you now think back that you have this experience and realize how right those influential people in your lives were? Jesus Christ through David is talking to us today out of experience. And like our parents, he wants us to listen to his advice because he knows, friends, what is best for us and what's going to be best for us. The question is, will we listen or will we have to learn it the hard way like we typically do? The difference between ignoring our parents or ignoring Christ, my friends, is huge. When we were kids, we might have had to suffer a little while or endured a hardship for a little while, but now your ignorance, your disobedience, will cost you everything and you will suffer for eternity. Do you get that? Forever. Friends, forever is a pretty long time. And the choice is ours. Now, if we had known as kids what we know today, I think we'd say we would have listened. I know I would have. I might not have agreed with everything, but I would have listened. And I think that Morgan Freeman said it right when he's up for parole in the Shawshank Redemption. He said, I can sit here all day and tell you how good I am, but here's the deal. I had to live with that guy who committed that horrible crime years and years ago. I want to get a hold of him. I want to talk to him. I want to get him straight and let him know how things are. But I can't. That young boy is long gone, and all that's left is this old man. I get what he was trying to say. I understand it. I wish I could go back and change it, but I can't. This is what's left. But what's left is I'm going to do something with it. I'm going to do something because Christ has given me the ability to go from here and write a a whole new ending chapter. Do you understand that? That's that's the key. And if your answer is yes, that you would have listened. You just gave yourself the advice of a lifetime. Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great, biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.